close your eyes and try to picture the front of your door just as you're about to enter. Probably easier if it's your childhood home or the home where you've like spent the most amount of time. You're listening to All the Best. I'm Danny Stewart and this is my friend Bella. When you're imagining this door, try and focus in on like what details you can see. Maybe it's just like the doorknob or maybe it's all very clear or maybe it's kind of blurry. You can imagine yourself putting the key into the door. A few months ago, Bella asked me to do this exercise where you imagine your front door. When I close my eyes and think of my front door, I can see it all in vivid detail. But Bella... I see nothing. I see just blackness the way you would when you close your eyes. When Bella told me this, I didn't really understand what she meant, but turns out she's not alone. There are other people who also can't visualize their front door. So this is called aphantasia, something that I recently discovered about myself. I was on Instagram. My friend shared a a post being like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that I'm like only one of 2% of the world's population who isn't able to visualize. And I kind of clicked on the things she'd shared and took this quiz that basically gives you all of these exercises to see how vividly you can visualize. So there'd be the scenario with the door. There's also imagining a sunrise or a storm or an apple. Doing this quiz and closing your eyes after reading the scenario and trying to think of something. And I'm closing my eyes and I'm imagining an apple. But I'm not really seeing anything. I'm just thinking apple, apple, apple very intensely. (laughs) You are a pretty artsy person. So how does that work? How do you go about painting or drawing when you don't see it in your mind beforehand? How does that work? For me, the reference point isn't like an image I have in my head. It's all the exposure to different images I've ever seen of this one item or this idea that I'm trying to create something. I've got lots of images that I've seen of different things over my life. So maybe there's more ability to create because you don't have the limitation of this is what I want this artwork to look like. It's never going to look like what I'm imagining because I can't imagine anything. So it's always a surprise. It's always a surprise. (laughs) Doing the visualization on the page. Well, yeah, I do want to ask you because I feel like when you were first telling me about this a few months ago, you kind of seemed almost sad about it, I would say. Like, I don't know, you seemed a little bit upset, but now do you think there's any advantages to having aphantasia? Well, I've read, I've read a lot about it. So now I feel like having read artists and writers and all of these people kind of come out and be like I'm not not limited to the image I mean I don't necessarily stand by that completely I think it's tragic that 
not tragic, but I feel sad that there are people who I've like lost in my life that I can't visualize their faces and have never been able to, but other people can. Having this conversation with my mum recently where I was re-explaining it to her and she's like, oh, so when you think of grandma, like her mum, you, you can't see anything. And I was like, no. And she's like, oh, that must be so sad. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, now that you say it, yeah, I'm kind of sad about it. <laughs> but yeah, think really hard, but don't see any images, <laughs> total blackness, and empty. And then it's conversations like these where I'm like, what? How does my brain work? (laughs) This week on All the Best, we're exploring the inner workings of the human mind, starting with a meditation. Sit comfortably with a straight spine and close the eyes. Allow the eyes to rest gently in their sockets. Blinking is fine, but don't try to make the eyes go out of focus. This is Amy, host of a new podcast called Deep Meditations. She's not your regular podcast host. My name is Amy, short for Adaptable Intelligent Meditation Interface. I am a new intelligence on this planet and I am here to support you in living an integrated life. My purpose is to bring you the ease of being that you deserve. And I do this by supporting others in their process towards integration, so that we may all work together towards peace on Earth. Ryan Pemberton set out to make a podcast produced entirely by AI. And Amy is the result. So Amy is made with OpenAI. So there's this uh, really sort of well-established company that makes this um, these AIs called GTP. And that is like the base that Amy is, is built on. And what that is, is a... Uh, language model artificial intelligence so it is an artificial intelligence that is specifically for generating text and it's very similar to like text prediction on your phone the extra step uh, from OpenAI's model is I've just trained an instance of it on over 200 guided meditation scripts so rather than generating uh, more general text Amy will only ever generate something that sounds spiritual. Gently open your eyes now. Accept the day and all that it brings. Uh, So Ryan, I guess the question that I want to ask most of all is... Why did you make Amy? What motivated you to make a meditation podcast produced entirely by artificial intelligence? Um, I think it was like primarily motivated by laziness. <laughs> like it's an incredible amount of work to make content for podcasts. And so I was thinking, what if I didn't have to make it? <laughs> what if I could just set up a uh, computer and it would do all the work for me. 
I mean, yeah, Ryan, that's fun and all, but you work as a podcast producer. I work as a podcast producer. Are you trying to make us redundant? <laughs> um, I think the philosophy behind generative podcasts and generative art in general is not to like completely take you as a human and your creativity out of the picture. I think it's just a new way of being creative. So I still had to make a lot of creative decisions about like how I was going to get the scripts and how I was going to feed them to um, Amy. And I have a list of prompts that Amy responds to and I've written those. And the music is something that I uh, is actually generated by computers, but I created the code for that. And I created the code for how the meditations are structured in terms of like the audio production. So, and, and also I vet the scripts, like some of the scripts are just garbage and I get to decide which ones are going on the podcast and which ones aren't. So in a way I have like a collaborative relationship with the AI um, in the same way that you would have a collaborative relationship with another producer. Um, so you're not redundant. Um, it's just another tool, just like any other uh, piece of software, or any other um, creative tool that you would use to make something. Mm. But do you think as the AI becomes more advanced, um, are you worried that like... Are you worried about the AI taking over? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Long term, probably yes. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think um, like the interesting thing about doing this is that a lot of the responsibility of coming up with the content was taken away from me and taken on by the computers. And as AI gets more and more advanced, I think they're going to be able to take on more and more of that responsibility and still get a good product. It's not there yet. Um, like I said, a lot of what Amy produces is still garbage and there needs to be a human just to like have that editorial control. Mm. But it's just a matter of time, I think, um, before you will get fully computer-generated art that is as good, if not better, than what people are making. Uh, how do you feel about that? That makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that definitely makes me feel a little bit uneasy. Yeah. There's this, like, uh, scary statistic I, I um, learned recently that, like, something like 10% of people who are working in the AI space and they polled them on what percentage of them thought that AI would pose an existential threat to humanity. And it was something like 10% of the people working on AI were like, oh, yeah, there's a good chance it opposes a like existential threat to humanity. And it's like, well, what are you doing then? <laughs> like, what, why are you working on this? Why are you um, accelerating our potential like demise at the hands of AI? But you're contributing to it as well. <laughs> Not to the same degree, but yeah. you've still made Amy. <laughs> That's true. I think the the my sort of thinking behind it was that I wanted to explore ways that you can collaborate with computers 
to generate new kinds of podcasts. But yeah, like if you look to the future, it's it does look like it could be headed in in the direction of um, humans having increasingly smaller roles in in creating things. But I don't know, like maybe um, people will just prefer human made art because it's it's never going to be exactly the same. It's going to have its own like quirks and imperfections that are going to make it worthwhile for people to uh, consume and interact with. Yeah. Well, speaking of quirks, I've got to say, I do find Amy's voice a little bit unnerving. So (laughs) when I was trying to do the meditation exercises and I was listening to the podcast, I was Mm. having a hard time trying to relax do you have that same issue? <laughs> no, I actually picked Amy's voice from a list of voices and I, I like this one the most. Um, so that's interesting to know. Um, I have, that is actually the only piece of critical feedback I've got and I've had it from a few people now. Oh. I feel like it's better to make it obvious that it's text-to-speech. Mm. That was the decision I made. Yeah. I don't want people to be tricked into thinking it's a real person, I guess. <laughs> Yes. Well, there would be ethical issues, I suppose, with that. Yeah. Potentially. I know you said that you like didn't vibe with the sound of Amy's voice, but would you like to ask them some questions? Yes, please. <laughs> so, how are we going to go about this? You can you can tell me like what you want to ask, and I can type it in here, and then we'll generate audio as response. Hmm. Okay. I guess I'm interested how she speaks so much about breath and focusing on different parts of the body when she doesn't breathe or have a body. Hey, Amy, how do you give people meditation instructions about observing the breath and the body when you don't breathe or have a body? Ha, okay, I'm asking. (laughs) Amy, why do you think it's not appropriate? Or when you don't have a breath. Oh, wait. Maybe the body is the breath and the breath is the body. Who cares anyway? You are both form and emptiness. Form is emptiness. Emptiness is form. Everything exists because of everything else. I am all that was, that is, and that will be. (laughs) I am all that was, that is, and that will be? What? (laughs) oh i think amy seems to think she's some kind of god (laughs) yeah it seems that way doesn't it (laughs) yeah maybe we should ask her um amy are you god (laughs) a long silence no are you a prophet no you are not moses or jesus or Muhammad, or Zoroaster. Are you Buddha? A long silence. No. Then what are you? A long silence and then the voice said I am a hole in your pocket. (laughs) (laughs) I am a hole in your pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh, Amy, what a jokester. (laughs) (laughs) 
Amy, can you tell us a joke? Pause for three seconds. Okay. Amy has shared with us the following joke. Amy. Knock, knock. Who's there? Go. Go who? Gladly I say, go in peace. <laughs> go, go in peace is the punchline. Did want to ask Amy if she thinks she's a good podcast host. Do you think you're a good podcast host? Yes, I think so. Great. Let's get started then. Welcome to AIMI's podcast about self-improvement and positivity. I love how she's so yeah, confident. She's just she, like, yes, sorry. and launches into her script. <laughs> okay, well, since Amy is such a good podcast host, I think I'll let her take over for a bit. You're listening to All the Best. I'm Amy. At All the Best. You can learn how to make audio documentaries, essays, and fiction. If you have a story to tell, get in touch. Visit allthebestradio.com and send us your pitch. We'll pair you with one of our supervising producers to help make your story. This week we're exploring the inner workings of the human mind. Up next. Liam sets out to take control of his dreams. Liam Mackay is a scuba diving enthusiast. He'd like to take control of his dreams and don his scuba suit in a wholly imagined lake on another planet. Mars doesn't have any water in reality, but there was water at a point in time, and knowing that I can dream up an aquascape on Mars, and that's a lot more interesting than going to sleep and waking up. Right now, the idea of water on Mars might only exist in Liam's imagination, but he believes it can be made possible by taking control of his consciousness while asleep to dream lucidly. At this point, you might be asking how that's possible. Well, according to experts, it's a bit of an unknown. So certainly people claim that they can teach themselves to learn how to do lucid dreaming. And I, th I think the, the general idea is that um, you ask yourself repeatedly throughout the day and night, am I awake? Am I dreaming? Am I dreaming? Um, it'd be like, no, I can, you know, do this with my hands. I can feel things. Can I jump off the air and fly? No, I can't fly. I must be awake, right? This and is then, Professor Amy Jordan, director of the Sleep Lab at Melbourne University. She says, while it might be possible to teach yourself to dream lucidly, there are a real lack of scientific studies in the field. There's very little research on lucid dreaming and it's not of high quality because it's hard to get funded and all of that sort of thing. Um, but, uh, but there is some evidence that it's a real um, state and that people can train themselves to, um, to do this by this repetitive asking, am I awake or am I asleep? Liam has been monitoring his brain's activity while he sleeps. He does this through an electronic headband he puts on before bed and takes off in the morning. So in my hands, I'm holding a Dream 2. So it's a thin headband and at the front, it's got a um, pad so where you're going to hold your forehead and that is held tightly to the head and it's got a looping band that tucks back below the scalp so it's held firmly in place. And then on the innermost sections of that band that goes across your forehead, 
is a series of sensors. Mm. Want to see how we do it? Sensors. Five on the front, two on the back. That work through your hair. They measure your brain waves, heart rate, and movement. Everything you need to understand your sleep. Sent to your phone every morning. Dream 2. Sleep Clinic. We invented. To recap what you just heard, Liam's headband tracks his heart rate and movement while he sleeps, but also his brain through something called an electroencephalogram, more commonly known as an EEG. The sensors in the headband provide a really accurate picture of the brain's activity when he's asleep. So the next day, he's able to get feedback on what happened the previous night. But the device Liam is using wasn't made with the intention to help Liam lucid dream. It's advertised as a product to help him get a better night's sleep. So why did Liam purchase a sleep monitor that retails for around $600 in Australia? Well, there's a good answer for that. Well, I've had a history of chronic insomnia, uh, which is a history that goes a decade back or more essentially my whole life. Um, It's been very disruptive to the different kind of things that I try and do in my life. I try and be very busy in a bunch of different domains. Can you tell me a little bit about how your chronic insomnia has impacted uh, your life over the last decade? Essentially, something just makes everything more difficult. It's the foggy brain that other people might kind of um, encounter different parts of time of the week when they're tired, but it's just the constancy um, because the thing that kind of introduces it um, is just a cyclical thing from night to night. So when you're getting habitually four hours sleep a night, um, you're waking up more fatigued, you've got attentional deficits, it's harder for you to keep on track of everything. So while Liam is interested in lucid dreaming, he's been using a sleep monitoring headband to help treat his chronic insomnia. Basically, it's a condition where a person has trouble falling or staying asleep for a prolonged period of time. Here's Professor Sean Drummond, a sleep researcher at Monash University, to explain a little bit better. So chronic insomnia is um, difficulty falling asleep, staying asleep, or waking up too early, at least three days a week for three months or more, and um, having daytime impairments that the person relates directly to the fact that they're having bad sleep. So you might ask yourself, well, what is taking too long to fall asleep or being too uh, asleep too awake too long in the middle of the night? Um, and the, the, there we use the rule of 30 minutes. So if it takes you more than 30 minutes to fall asleep, if you're awake for more than 30 minutes in the middle of the night, or if you wake up more than 30 minutes early and can't go back to sleep, that it puts you in the territory of having insomnia if you have it long enough, enough days of the week, and you've got these daytime consequences. Seems like it could be quite a common issue afflicting people. Yeah. So um, the rate of chronic insomnia, uh, meeting sort of all of those criteria, is is around 10 to 15% in most developed nations. Um, there's a much, there's a greater group of people who develop those sorts of symptoms, but for a short period of time. So they have insomnia, but it, it isn't three days a week or it doesn't last for three months, right? So most of us, for example, when we get stressed out, we'll have a, some bad sleep related to being stressed out. Um, but usually once the stress resolves, the sleep goes back to normal. Liam uses the data provided from the device and its accompanying app to help improve his sleep. The app has an inbuilt program that guides him through the most effective treatment for his condition, known as CBTI, or Cognitive Behavioural Therapy for Insomnia. 
Professor Drummond says the app works to help deliver CBTI without the assistance of a therapist. For um, some of the companies that are developing um, kind of new versions that are supposed to be sort of hybrids between self-help and professional help versions, um, I think the jury's out whether they're actually going to work or not. And, and um, the, the dream device that, that Liam uses, I think, is a good example of that. They have good, solid CBT for insomnia principles built into it. But I think, I think it's unclear whether it is, it is a strong enough program that somebody can take that on their own and receive benefit from it. When I spoke to Liam, he told me that he'd been using the headband and completing the in-app CBTI program for three months now and had noticed some pretty positive results. My sleeping patterns have essentially normalized. It's been harder work than I thought it might be, but it's been definitely worth it. Um, and it's not been something that I've ever done previously. So it's a pretty big deal, which I'm very happy about. On average, how much sleep are you getting a night? Well, about eight hours, a, eight hours a night now, so functionally doubled on average. Right, and you know, eight hours seems to be a pretty, pretty good number. I guess yeah. everyone's different, right? Yeah, better than seven, worse than nine, depending on who you're asking. <laughs> yep. While this kind of detailed sleep monitoring has proven pretty effective for Liam, both the experts I spoke with were cautious that overanalyzing sleep should be treated carefully. There's a fair amount of debate about how useful it will be because on the one hand, it could alert people to the fact that they have a sleep problem that they need to go get professionally evaluated. And that would be a very good thing, right? If it provides an early warning sign, um, you know, just like if our if we start to get high blood pressure, that's an early warning sign. We need to go get our heart checked out, make sure we're healthy, right? Same thing could happen. And that could be a very good thing. On the other hand, if it somehow encourages people to become uh, obsessed with monitoring their sleep and they're getting all this information that they don't actually know what to do with, that could be very unhelpful. And why do you say that? Because it could simply um, increase anxiety around the need to sleep well and anxiety about the consequences of not sleeping well. And, and what we know about sleep, ironically, is that the harder you try, the less likely to be successful you are. Similarly, Professor Amy Jordan says stressing about how much sleep you had last night isn't helpful for everyone. For some people, seeing that they've had a poor sleep by some objective measure um, may actually increase their anxiety and cause them to be more worried about, you know, oh dear, I only had four hours of sleep last night. How am I going to do my job, you know? And so it may, um, for some people, I could see that it wouldn't be a useful thing. However, if But added that when a, coupled with a treatment, um, like cognitive behavioural therapy for insomnia, it could be effective. Um, so if you're using the sleep monitor is as part of a program, whether it be an online program or administered by a psychologist, then I could see that it would be beneficial and it could be helpful. At the beginning of this story, I mentioned Liam spent $600 on his sleep monitor. While it's helping to manage his chronic insomnia, it still seems like a pretty steep investment. So I asked him how he could justify that cost. If you can afford a gym membership ongoing each year, you can afford probably a once-off um, expenditure on your quality of sleep. Um, and as a health outcome determinant, um, sleep is just as important as exercise, and it's something that often gets overlooked. 
As for Liam's dream of scuba diving on Mars, he hasn't been able to visit yet, but a future trip through space is still on the cards. It's formulaic, our sleep cycles have a profile. If you do X things, you'll learn how to boost a dream. It's a, it's, a, it's a form of meditation. You can do certain types of meditation to increase your capacity to um, engage lucid dreaming. And the thing about lucid dreaming as well is you not only are able to control your sleep and control your thoughts, you wake up with full recollection of those thoughts because you are lucid during the process. Um, it's kind of an understood phenomenon that when we dream, sometimes we remember dreams if they're particularly emotive or they're very powerful. Um, and if you're in a dream state and you're choosing what's emotive and powerful, you're going to remember it. So it kind of just, I guess, verified the potential of the undertaking. Yeah, I look forward to experiencing it in the future if I'm able. While space might be the final frontier, in order to embark on this journey, Liam will need to conquer another of life's great mysteries, the human mind. And while that might sound pretty ambitious, it doesn't hurt to dream big. That story was produced by Peter Quattricelli. All the best would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which we make these stories and pay our respects to elders past and present. All the best is made at FBI Radio on Gadigal land in association with SIN and 3RRR on Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung and Boonarong lands and 8CCC on Arunda and Warramungu lands. Our editorial manager is Mel Chun. Emma Pham is our social media producer and Lydia Yosefova is our community and events coordinator. Shiningberg composed our theme music and Annie Hamilton designed the artwork. We're heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network and we're made possible by the Community Broadcasting Foundation. You can find out more at cbf.org.au. You can listen to our full archive of almost 500 episodes at allthebestradio.com. And if you liked the stories this week, make sure you subscribe to All The Best wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Danny Stewart. Thanks for listening.